Okay, uh, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So the last five hadith are displayed on the screen and you can access it uh, live or online later. Uh, last week we talked about the physical space of the Prophet وسلم, and how it was simple and decluttered and how simplicity and decluttering lends to focus and it lends to, um, uh, it, it, it enables one to achieve their goals in life. And in particular, in the context of this discussion, the simple space of the Prophet was what had facilitated the um, success of the Prophet as an example for all of us. Um, once the home has now been removed and decluttered, the question then is, well, what should the home be filled with? Right? Because now that we've created space within the home through simplicity, uh, what should the home be filled with? So this next hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is going to focus on this. And again, the theme being how we fill the home with love. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. An Abi Musa, an al-Nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, aqal, Mathal al-bayt al-lazhi yudhkaru allaha fihi, wal-bayt al-lazhi la yudhkaru allahu, yudhkaru allahu fihi, mathal al-hayyi wal-mayyit. Again, the, the, the translation of which is, the likeness of the house in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is remembered and the house in which Allah ta'ala is not remembered is like the living and the dead. Again, the likeness of the house in which Allah ta'ala is remembered, right? The dhikr of Allah ta'ala is made. And the house or the home in which Allah ta'ala is not remembered, the likeness of it is like the living and the dead. This is narrated both in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. So as we normally do, just a few background points on the discussion regarding today's hadith. The first background point that helps us understand is, number one, that dhikr uh, is roughly translated as remembrance or making mention. And in the context of our deen, dhikr specifically, remember, dhikr specifically refers to the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dhikr specifically refers to the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is an established form of personal worship. Right? The Quran and the Hadith both highlight this. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya amanu, dhikran kathira. That those of you who believe, if you believe, remember Allah Ta'ala and remember Allah Ta'ala abundantly. So it's an established form of worship, of personal worship, that even though it's not something that the community tends to give much attention to. Uh, it's an established form within our tradition of personal rectification and personal development, right? So if we aim, for instance, to purify ourselves and rectify ourselves in deen, then dhikr is one of the, if not, it is a mechanism by which that occurs. Okay, so that's background point number one. Background point number two is that dhikr is, um, it's a broad term, but dhikr itself can be performed both verbally or it can be performed silently. Right? The remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, it doesn't have to be performed just verbally. Although that may be the optimal way. The best form of dhikr is undoubtedly recitation of the Qur'an. It's undoubtedly recitation of the Qur'an and that's essentially a verbal form of dhikr. But when we think about dhikr, and let's put it this way, when we think about the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, it isn't confined to those things that are uttered from the tongue. It can also include those things that are uttered by the heart. Okay, so this is an important principle to mention to remember that it's not just lip service or it's not just something that's performed by the tongue, but included or sometimes distinct will be making dhikr of Allah Ta'ala silently or through the heart. You know, in fact, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, 
Remember your Lord, make dhikr of your Lord fi nafsik, in yourselves, right? Meaning uh, uh, within, within yourself. So that's the second background point. The third background point is that every moment that we spend in the dhikr and remembrance of Allah Ta'ala is beneficial for us. Every moment that we spend in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala is beneficial. And on the converse, any moment that we spend heedless of Allah Ta'ala or neglecting the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala is harmful for us. You know, the way to think about it is once we hit maturity or an age of maturity, now the clock starts ticking, right? There's an hourglass and the, and the clock is just running out and it's heading only in one direction for us. Now, if we take, let's say, let's say we have a thousand moments in our life, obviously there's many more, but let's just arbitrarily use an example. The more time, the more moments that are used to remember Allah Ta'ala, the more beneficial it is for us. Now the benefit is of two types. One is obvious and that is that the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala or a moment spent in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala is tabulated and it's given back to us as reward in the Day of Judgment. That's obvious. The second benefit is that it allows a person to draw closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as well. So the benefits are many and it's a separate discussion. But just to highlight that every moment that a person spends in dhikr is beneficial. So that's a few background points with regards to the discussion. So now let's return to the hadith. So the Prophet ﷺ says, The likeness of the house in which Allah Ta'ala is remembered, the similarity, the similitude, between the house in which Allah Ta'ala is remembered and the house in which Allah Ta'ala is not remembered, it's like the living and the dead. Okay, the house in which Allah Ta'ala is remembered versus the house in which Allah Ta'ala is not remembered, it's like the living and the dead. So what lessons do we take from this hadith? Number one, it's that homes are distinguished by the Prophet meaning by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Homes are distinguished by the presence or absence of dhikr that's performed within the home. Homes are distinguished between the pres by the presence and absence. Now, when we like to distinguish our homes, we like to distinguish it based off of what's apparent. So one person's home looks small, one person's home looks big. One person's home is worth $100,000, one person's home is worth $700,000. One person has 2,000 square feet, one person has 4,000 square feet. One home has three people living in it, one home has 25 people living in it. We like to distinguish homes based off of what is outwardly apparent. But the distinction in deen, we don't, we don't distinguish homes in that way. The Prophet ﷺ tells us how a home is distinguished, how to tell the difference, not that it's our role, but how, how, a per how one can tell the difference between two homes. And the distinguishing feature is whether or not the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala is performed. Right? So that's the first thing to keep in mind. Like we like to get into this you know, discussion of, well, what size is your home and what does your home look like? And, you know, this is just what, what human beings tend to compete with. And, but the competition shouldn't be necessarily what our home looks like or what size it is or what amenities we have or what jurisdiction we live in. It really should be a competition of how much dhikr or how much Allah Ta'ala is remembered within the home because this is the way the Prophet ﷺ decided to distinguish the home. Okay, the second lesson is that dhikr brings life into the home. Dhikr brings life into the home. When we um, think about livelihood within a home, what does a person tend to think? Well, the more people that live within the home, the more alive it is. You know, the more noise that's within the home, if the television's on, if the music is blasting, 
These are things that bring livelihood. If we have a party, these are things that bring livelihood to the home. But this hadith is highlighting for us that, look, there's, the distinction is based off of a, if a group of people remember Allah, sorry, if a household remembers Allah or if a household does not remember Allah. If a household remembers Allah Ta'ala, the effect of it is that not only are those people within the home, you know, uh, present, but then the angels are also attracted. And what brings more life to a gathering than angels, right? What brings more life to a gathering than, to, to a space than angels bring? So, dhikr is what brings life into the home, right? It's not all of the other external things that we tend to think. So that's point number two. Lesson number three is <clears throat> that the engagement in remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's, it's everyone's responsibility and everyone's business. You know, it isn't that one person within the home can be actively engaged in Allah's remembrance through salah or Quran or dhikr and that the other people can neglect it. Just like we share other responsibilities within the home, it's the responsibility of everyone within the home to keep that home alive. And the way by which the household keeps the home alive is by the entire home involving themselves in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. Be it through regular salah, be it through recitation of the Qur'an, be it through sitting in the remembrance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, be it by reciting the du'as that the Prophet used to recite within the home. These things, all forms of remembrance, enlighten the home and it's the responsibility of everyone that comes within the home. And we learn this because there's another hadith of the Prophet where he says, مَثَلُ الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ رَبَّهُ وَالَّذِي لَا يَذْكُرُ كَمَثَلِ الْحَيِّ وَالْمَيِّتِ Or مَثَلِ الْحَيِّ وَالْمَيِّتِ the difference between a person who remembers Allah Ta'ala and a person who doesn't remember Allah Ta'ala is like the living and the dead. So at an individual level, we see the benefit of dhikr. But in this hadith, right, narrated in Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet isn't just identifying this responsibility to a person. He's saying the whole house, the difference between the house in which Allah Ta'ala is remembered and is not remembered is like the living and the dead. Now, this is a side point, but look at the extremity. Look at the extremity. When the Prophet ﷺ wants to make a point, he often uses what's called an analogy, right? And what he's doing is here is, okay, well, maybe I can't perceive a house that does dhikr of Allah from a house that doesn't do dhikr of Allah. But through an analogy, every human being knows the difference between the living and the dead. Someone who's alive, someone who's dead. Complete opposite extremes. There's no similarity between those two people, right? It's as, as far away as you can get from it, right? You know, there's alive, there's minimally conscious, there's you know, comatose, sick, and then eventually But death and, and living are complete opposites. And this is how the Prophet is highlighting homes in which the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala occurs. So again, the third lesson is that the responsibility of engaging in the remnants of Allah Ta'ala is the responsibility of the entire household. It's not just the responsibility of, for instance, the oldest people that live in the home or the youngest people that live in the home. Okay, so what are two practice points? This is the final slide. The first practice point that we can take from this hadith is <clears throat> that uh, we should try to assign a space within our home that's dedicated for dhikr and for worship and for prayer. We should try to assign a space within the home that's dedicated for dhikr and for worship of Allah Ta'ala. This is highlighted in other hadith as well, but and this is this is the common practice and teaching of our of our elders as well that within the home, because so much occurs within the home, designate a space like a musalla or something, some space that is, that is dedicated to the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. Maybe it's a room within the home that is designed for 
everyone to pray when it's time to pray, right? Or the women can pray there, or the families pray there, or when it's time to reflect Quran, everyone goes there. It brings a lot of barakah within, to, within the home. And the other effect is when you see that space, you're more inclined to want to do something in that space. You know, if you walk past, let's say, the room that's dedicated, that's, uh, that's assigned for salah or assigned for dhikr, it's a musallah, then you're more likely to want to go in there and maybe sporadically or randomly pray two rak'ah on your own and remember Allah. Or maybe you'll see the Qur'an and you'll say, you know what, let me just sit down for five minutes. And If a, person, if a family does this, they'll notice an intense, uh, uh, an incredible peace develop within the home. I've seen this with my own eyes many times, that homes that have a dedicated prayer space within it, this uh, incredible peace and, uh, and, and, and uh, serenity descends upon the home, and, and it fills the home with love. So now, you might say, well, maybe I don't have that much space. I live in a smaller home. It's not that you have to have an entire room dedicated to this, but even a corner of the room would be sufficient. Somewhere where the children, the parents, the families, everyone knows that this is where Allah Ta'ala is remembered. So we should try to assign a space for dhikr and prayer within our home, regardless of how big or how, how small our space is. Um, the second take-home point is that we should try to use our downtime for dhikr. We should try to use our downtime for dhikr. Now, in the past, what would happen is if someone had a bit of free time, then let's say you're at a waiting room at a doctor's office or you're you know, waiting for something to cook on the stove, this would be an opportunity, especially for believers, to get ahead, to sit and recite Qur'an, to pray extra nawafil, to engage in the, in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala. But the natural tendency of human beings has changed so much over the last 10 years that now if there is downtime, if a person is quote-unquote bored, the first thing that they'll go to is their phone, right? Just to see what else is, what else is happening. This is common. I mean, it's, it's, not com it's, it's subconscious now. It's reached a point where it's subconscious. Even neurologically, they were wired that way. That if I'm bored, there's no, there's no concept of boredom anymore. Boredom has been, trans, has been transformed from boredom into screen time. That's what occurred. Because there's an unlimited amount of things to see on a screen. So this is what has occurred. Um, and now the ideal thing would be to say, okay, no screen time. I don't think that's very practical. But maybe make it a rule that now every time I reach for my device, uh, with, meaning outside of someone, let's say, calling me, every time I reach for my device, before I pick it up and I actually scroll and look through what I want to scroll through, I'm going to recite 10 salawat on the Prophet right? Before I pick it up. I, I, I go pick it up just as a habit or because I'm so used to it, just to check it. But before I engage the device, I spend, I send 10 salawat on the Prophet Or I recite istighfar 10 times or la ilaha illallah 10 times. Some finite number we should assign and we should do it before we engage the screen. Um, and then we'll begin to see the benefits that come from this. We'll begin to see how much dhikr we can actually perform in a day. The argument that I hear, I should say, uh, oftentimes from people is, I don't have time to squeeze in my daily adhkar. There's no time for it. Okay, well then, if you can't dedicate time, let's say in the morning or in the evening, then dedicate before, any, before looking at the device, dedicate 10 salawat or 10 istighfar or whatever other dhikr is, is necessary to fill your day. Dedicate that uh, and do it before it occurs. And, and then you'll begin to see what the effect of that is. You'll begin to see, wow, I just recited like a thousand salawat. If we practice that today, I can say with some certainty that we'll be in the hundreds, if not thousands, of at least the verbal adhkar, right? But there's also silent dhikr we can perform. But in this case, uh, this is something practically we can do. You know, many a times you lie down to go to bed, 
rather than remember Allah Ta'ala, we pull out the phone and we just start scrolling a little bit until we feel tired and then we go to sleep. But this is valuable time. For parents that, for instance, are putting their children to sleep, this is valuable time to engage in Allah's, in the remembrance of Allah. Even those five or ten minutes are valuable, but most of us in that time, we pull out the screen and we're just checking, you know, something relatively useless. For a mother who's nursing her child, for instance, this is high time because engaging in dhikr while you're nursing a child not only benefits you, not only benefits the household, but then the child benefits. And this is what the people of piety used to do before, but now, you know, if, if it comes time, that's downtime, that's screen time, right? That's, now it's become screen time. Something's waiting, something cooking on the stove, it becomes screen time. So, I don't want to uh, belabor the point, but whenever we, so one practical point that we can take is that whenever we notice that there's a bit of downtime and we reach for the device before we actually turn it on and start scrolling, assign yourself some dhikr that you're going to do before it and, uh, and do it consistently. And inshallah, we'll be able to see the benefits that come from this. So the first practice point was to assign a space within the home for dhikr and for prayer and see what benefit that brings into the home. And the second practice point is when we're within the home, any downtime that we have, we should seek to engage in Allah Ta'ala's remembrance and see what effect it has rather than resorting to other ways to spend that downtime. Again, the hadith of the Prophet is that this, the likeness of the home in which Allah is remembered compared to the home in which Allah is not remembered, it's like the living in the dead. As, um, as, uh, um, as, uh, uh, as different as they can possibly be. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to benefit from the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to become abundant in his remembrance such that the angels descend down upon our homes and fill our homes with love and peace and serenity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and our families. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.